Hello, everyone. This is Katina Horton, Valley of Grace Ministries, and I am coming to you with another message, okay? And this week's message is entitled, Three Ways That Toxic Thinking, Behavior, Biases, and Privilege Warps the Concept of Love, okay? So decisions that we make, the thoughts that we think, and the way that we live our lives are often based upon biases, right? They're based upon biases and privilege, right? Okay, and then you look at society, culture, community, and our world at large. All of that combination, right? When you look at them, they tell us what it is that we should think about an individual, right? They help us to think that this individual, based upon uh, the way they look, should be blank, blank, and blank, okay? And thus, subconsciously, we make our decisions on how we're going to treat others according to whatever words we have filled in those blanks, okay? So in scripture, we have an example of an expert in the law and he's having a conversation with Jesus, right? He's asking Jesus about inheriting eternal life and what the qualifications of that entail, right? So here's the scripture, listen in. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> what is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. It's powerful, right? But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? <laughs> In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, okay? He passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, okay? <laughs> now think about this, okay? So first, the priest came and passed him by. Then we got a Levite came and passed him by, okay? But a Sumerian, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you 
for any extra expense you might have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. We have all been given the same charge to love God with our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then in turn, we are to love others, okay? In and with the same way in which we love ourselves, right? Which brings us to point number one. When we understand a false concept of love, we give false love. Love becomes invalidating others, abuse, control, ignoring, punishing, gaslighting, cutting and crushing each other's spirits. Having and giving false love does not negate the responsibility of learning true love from the Father, okay? We love because he first loved us. And that is what we are told in 1 John 4 and 19, okay? And that brings us to point number two. We cannot love others when we hate, self-loathe, and condemn ourselves. We often think that we can hate ourselves, but then go out and love, give love to the important people in our lives, right? We can't do it. It, it just doesn't work that way. What happens is that we mirror what it is that we possess, okay? And because soul ties are nothing but connections to people, right? And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, the person with whom we are connected to, whether they are healthy or unhealthy, and there's a healthy or unhealthy soul tie, right? They get the whole package deal. They get the self-loathing and all, which is one of the main reasons why abuse occurs in the first place. Nine times out of 10, abusers hate themselves. And if you hate yourself, you're going to take that hate and you are going to transfer and express that hate over to your spouse, your friend, your ministry partner, your co-worker, etc. right? And that brings me to number three. Point number three is we cannot see others when we cannot see God. Elisha and his servant were surrounded by an army. The servant was afraid and he was basically at the point where he figured, okay, I'm going to give uh, the victory over to the opposing army, right? They got the upper hand. But what did Elisha do? Elisha stopped and prayed, right? And why pray? He knew his servant had a vision problem, right? And so do we. We have a vision problem, okay? The servant only saw the army and their chariots right? He didn't see the people that looked different from him. He didn't see the angels that were encamped all around them, okay? And sent from God. 
when we operate out of the flesh and a false concept of love, we will only see flesh, okay? When we operate out of the spirit and a true concept of love, we will be able to see the natural and the spiritual realm, allowing us to not only appreciate the creation of God, but then we can describe in great detail all of our individuality and differences, right? So here is the scripture of what went down with Elisha and his servant. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. <laughs> so he's in a panic, right? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Okay, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. Okay. <laughs> so he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord. Okay. And then Elisha told him, this is not the road. This is not the city. Follow me. I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. God is an everything and everyone God. Okay. His creation has intricate details in every part of its nature. Now you take a bird, for example, we look at a bird we admire and we will tell each other, wow, there's no way in the world that there is not a God, that he does not exist. We will tell each other this often. Or we'll look at the sunset and we'll say, now, this, this is proof right here. So what do we do with that sunset? We start to, we take pictures. We send it to our friends or our mom and dad. And we, you know, like, look at this. I can't even do it justice. It's so beautiful. Same thing with the bird. And what do we do with that bird? We describe the color of the bird, okay? The beak structure, right? The wingspan, the manner in which it flies and takes off and goes back down and up and down again, right? We describe all of that, right? What kind of bird it is, whether it's a parrot or a cardinal or a blue jay or purple marlin or a sparrow, right? We get all into it, right? Think about that. We cannot love others though when we don't see others, right? What do we say? When we see other human beings, we say, I don't see color. Just think about that for a few minutes. I don't see color. God created all of us in his image and we are all image bearers of God. We don't all look the same. God did not create clones, right? And when we don't respect his concept and vision of love, we lack respect 
and vision for ourselves. And if we lack respect for vision and love for ourselves, then we lack respect of vision and love for others. Okay. It's like going to the eye doctor and you sit in a chair and they put the machine up to you. And then the eye doctor slides a few of the magnifying glass on one side and the other side. And, they, and then you looking in <laughs> as your nose is sweating, right? And your eyes are getting, getting teary eyed because you got this light in your face. And she says, number one or number two. And she's sliding back and forth. And you're like, uh, and she's going back and forth, right? And then sometimes she say, oh, three or four, he or she rather, three or four. And you're looking through and you're trying to decide. Then she says, he or she says, or would you say about the same? And then sometimes you'll say, well, about, they look about the same to me. Okay, then they go to the next one, right? So no matter how many times the eye doctor does this, they can go up to a thousand times. When it comes to having a false concept of love and when it comes to not having that vision, this all going to look the same. No matter how many times you look at that person, you're going to keep saying, I don't see color. Your vision is going to be the same. Okay. You still won't see. We are spiritually blind because we've listened and allowed society and the world in general to gaslight us into believing false concepts about who God is. Okay leading to false concepts about what love is, <laughs> leading to false concepts about others. This leads to toxic thinking, and then we get toxic blindness slash vision. And the only remedy for this is to pray to God and say, open my eyes so that I might see, right? We walk around in blindness and don't even know it. Think about that priest in the story I gave. The priest passed by on the other side of the street. The Levi ignored the man who had been robbed and injured. Then the Samaritan stops. Okay. And this, the, the irony of the story Samaritan, people just, it was just like, mm, stay away from them. You know what I'm saying? They were outcasts. The Samaritan stopped. He noticed God's creation, right? He noticed someone is in pain, right? He noticed that at that particular moment, he was someone who was of privilege. And then you say, what is privilege? Okay. It's a special right, advantage or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. And I got that from off of Google, right? And when we think of the word privilege, we only put one word in front of privilege, but I beg to differ. Privilege involves being blessed with certain situations, advantages, and head starts, right? That's different than someone else. Anyone, okay, any person that has to deal with something that doesn't have to deal with something, rather, that someone else has to deal with is considered to be a privilege, okay? What are the examples? Death, divorce, joblessness toxic relationships, homelessness, natural disasters. So you think about it, when you see a man on the street, the obvious thing is to what? Look down upon them. Because the biases in our society has said, in our world in general, he's lazy, he's uneducated, he's violent, right? 
You fill in the blanks to what has come into your head when you see a person on the street. Now, what if you knew that this same man was an accountant? What would your thoughts be? Okay. This same man is accounting, right? And because he's an accountant, but he's homeless on the street, he knows how to do taxes. And guess what? You don't. So you have to go and pay somebody almost $1,000 to do your taxes. Guess who's the person that's of privilege? The homeless man that's on the street because he knows something <laughs> and has a special gift of skill that you don't have. You see what I'm saying? And But the temptation of man is look down upon him because of where he lives. We have often been modeled incorrect concepts of love beginning in our childhood and then moving forward to today as adults, right? And we think, oh, because of my mama, because of my daddy, because of what my teacher said, all of that is probably true. But it's our responsibility to fix those areas of love that have been warped and broken in our society in general. And that starts with each person being accountable to him or herself. Blaming our parents and teachers can only go so far, or pastors even. When we understand the concept of love, we can understand the concept that in God's creation, no two individuals are alike, right? And we cannot ignore all the individual features and gifts and talents that we possess because in ignoring these would be ignoring God. You cannot say what is the scripture God tells us. You cannot say that you love me who you have not seen and love not your brother. So that is a message for all of us. The other day I watched a movie that I had not seen in a while. And the movie is entitled The Family That Prays. Okay. It's a Tyler Perry movie. Okay. You got a man, Nick, who is living on the street and he comes in every few days to this coffee shop slash cafe. Okay. The owner of the shop, her name is Alice and it's played by Alfre Woodard. Okay. And her grown daughter, they are both running the shop. And her grown daughter is played by Taraji P. Henson. Okay? So Nick enters the shop on one occasion. And Alice, uh, the owner, tells her daughter to help him out. So she gives him a bucket, washcloth, clean clothes. And they tell him, you know, she says, your food's going to be ready once you're done cleaning yourself up. He says, okay. And he just looks like he's just kind of discombobulated. He goes back and gets washed up, changes the fresh clothes, comes out and eats, okay? The next thing you know, while he's back there, rather, um, Alice's daughter's like, why, why are you even bother with him? Like, ugh. And then her mother says, be careful of who you entertain because you could be entertaining angels from unawares. And she said, everybody's got a story, baby. And she goes on to tell her story, uh, tell her daughter the story about how Nick lost his job, how Nick's wife has died, and then how Nick had lost custody of his children. Okay, all of this had happened. This whole situation had led to a domino effect of Nick living in the streets. And so after eating on that particular occasion, Nick and Alice are sitting at the table. They're looking at the newspaper and they're talking and you can't tell what they're saying. He gets up, he gets ready to get up, leave out the door. He says, don't forget, don't forget to do what I told you, do what I told Come on, don't forget. And Alice is like, okay. He said, that's the one, don't forget. 
Okay. And Alice reminds Nick, whenever you're ready, let me know when you're ready to get up off these streets. Okay. And he says, okay. Right. Alice didn't take away his dignity. Alice didn't try to overly get involved. Alice did not try to control his life. She simply walked alongside him like the good Samaritan did. Right. And what does she walk alongside him with? A bucket, a towel, a fresh set of clothes and a meal. Right. Alice has privilege because she never went through those trials and tribulations that Nick went through, right? That have fallen upon Nick. She never had to go through that before, right? And what happens at the end of this movie is profound. You find out that Nick, the homeless man, <laughs> is actually an accountant and a broker, right? Of sorts. He's been advising Alice on which stocks to purchase because they were both shareholders, had a small share in a billion dollar company, okay? You don't find this out to the end, that they ended up becoming millionaires, okay? Because of these shares, you see what I'm saying? So when Alice's daughter finds this out in this meeting, she says, mama, so you mean to tell me you a millionaire? And she said, uh-huh. And her mama just smiling, you know, like God is good kind of look. You know how we do with other sisters and brothers in Christ. She's like, uh-huh. And she said, why didn't you tell me? She said, you never asked. You never asked. Her daughter had been thinking her mother was struggling because they weren't making that much money in the coffee shop. But her mother didn't have the coffee shop there to make money. She had that coffee shop there to provide love, to serve others in the community via love to see them, okay? And love on them with the vision that God had given her because she was herself a Christian. That was her investment. You see what I'm saying? So her and Nick ended up being millionaires because they had shares in this particular company, right? And think about that. By the end of the movie, Nick looks like he's worth a million bucks the way he's dressed and he's purchasing a home. He's coming up off those streets. What is the purpose of this story? Do not allow society, the world, your community, your family, your friends, your coworker, etc., determine how you will treat a person. The very person that you're looking down on today is the very person you will be looking up at tomorrow. It was so many takeaways in this movie. You see what I'm saying? So many takeaways of this type of situation going on. And if we really want to know how to see a person, we got to eliminate that toxic thinking that's going on in our brains, right? Where these minds are just going and going and going with ruminating thoughts based upon the way the society has trained us. Those uh, ingrown biases that we've got to get rid of. That's the only way we can see people for who they really are. We have got to ask God to open our eyes so that we may see past the flesh, past the natural, into the spiritual realm. We don't have a one-size-fit-all individual. God is too big of a God and too powerful for that. So when we say we don't see color, we're saying, I don't love you enough to see that individuality of who you are, what God has done. We don't say that about birds and anything else. We say that about human beings. We respect everything, every other intricate detail of what God has created except the human being, okay? And that way we can look at people and say, I see your eyes, I see your nose. I see the intricate details of your mouth and your ears and your color, your skin tone. 
I see you as a person. I see you as a human being. I see you as a child of God. I see you as a daughter of the King. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You child of God, you daughter of the King, you highly favored woman. I see you, you redeemed, you righteousness of God in Christ. I see you in all of its glory. I see your color and I see all you and I see the spirit of God in you. We've got to be able to get to that point. When we respond this way, and that is this way as in his way, healing, identity, self-worth with affirmations and yielding. When we respond his way to other people who look and act different than us, then we can think of the words that Jesus said to Peter when Jesus replied, um, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So when we ask God, open my eyes so that I might see. And we see other people who don't look like us. And we can imagine Jesus saying that to, to, to us. You're blessed because you did not learn this from any human being because the world and society in general is gaslighting us into having us to say that. We are all image bearers, right? But we got to learn a true concept of love that helps to eliminate abuse, gaslighting, control, invalidation of other people and their situations. Open our eyes so we might see. So if you're tired of all this toxic thinking, you're placing all this responsibility of healing on Jesus, okay? You're tired of doing that and you're ready to do, out, do your part. You can also check out broken pieces, change your mindset, break unhealthy relationship patterns and get off the mat and thrive. And that particular book, it is on Amazon or you can find it at thevalleyofgrace.com if you wanna to get to further steps in that. But I just wanna leave you with, open your eyes so that you might see. Reclaim your power and identity today. And don't forget you are already enough. Just because somebody can't see you, it doesn't make a difference. You're already pre-qualified with your keys to the kingdom, okay? Grab your keys and get your inheritance. Thank you for listening. God blessed and until next time. He was devoured by earth. There was a God. They call him the Father. There was a
makes no sense I'm trying to do it on my own He gave more than I could have known He turned those valleys into places to learn Instead of burn and perish away In nights never so cold Without His grace How could I say That I've seen the world From His great love How could I know What He could love How would I have seen What He had in store for me if I didn't give up and let him be my valley of grace Where things would change and maybe they'd take up the cross high again The valley of grace never was the same after he had died The love that refined So much for me 